0: On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole
1: my village. I know where they're taking your clan.
0: Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Ready PG 13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13.
3: Well, it's the three questions again. You know, it's what America, it's basically what's keeping America holding on, is me asking the three questions, the three questions of different people. And today, I am lucky enough to have a very funny, very, very talented man, uh, Demi Adejuibe. And did I say it right? You did. Nailed it. Oh, thank you. I was even um, like, oh, wait, we forgot to do the thing where you're like, uh, how do you say it? And then yeah, you, yeah, it yeah. Just, you got it. I, I uh, yeah, no, I do. I did that was I did that much research. I mean, I'm yeah, I'm actually I mean, that was really all I knew about you. I'm surprised that you're black. Basically, that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Most people are like oh, a digit. I yeah, could have Irish, but- right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're has that by been, my lack of red hair? That name that name has as it's tough here. Isn't it to have that, you know, it's I mean, very, uh,
1: people do that. Like they performative, like, Oh God, how do I, and I'm like, just, you don't have to just get just, through it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, uh, aside from that, it is, it's like a conversation piece for most of everyone else. It's just sort of like Nigerian, huh? Oh, I know someone who uh, went to Kenya. And I'm like, okay, what do I <laughs> do with that?
3: Now were you born in Nigeria? No, I was born in London In London. Oh, wow. And how long, and you were there, oh, that's right, and you were there for just a short while, right?
1: I was there until I was four. We moved here just after my sister was born, and then
3: my family moved to Texas. Oh, wow. Yeah. From London to Texas, wow. Yeah, very similar places. Yes, yes. (laughs) Did you have a cute little English accent when you were little? I did, and I lost it when I was six, and I'm pissed. Oh, really? <laughs> you could have been so classy. Oh, where my career where my career would be right now if I still had that English accent. Right, right, right. You would be, you know, probably in Star Wars or something. I would. That's
1: the only yeah, thing yeah. keeping me out of Star Wars. <laughs> Got to be a British guy.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, what was, um, were your folks at school or in, in London? I mean, what was the, why why the trajectory, Nigeria, England, LA, L- uh, Texas, LA? I believe that they went to college in
1: Nigeria and then got jobs in England. Uh, but I also think that my, uh, oh, no, I really should know this, but I my dad was born in England, had family in England, so they, it was easy for them to live in England
3: when they did. Oh, because he, like, had citizenship or something? Yeah. I see. And do you remember England? Do you remember much? Not
1: in terms of my childhood, but we used to go back every so often, and that's what I remember. Uh, Yeah. And I was there most recently, like, a year ago. But before that, it was like, oh, every other summer, we'd just be like, all right, well, let's go back to England and see our family. Um, But the memories of that time are still, like, very fleeting. Like, I... I remember, like, areas and, like, things that we would do or, like, just being like, oh, okay, my cousin and I are going to go walk in this weird, like, bog-type area, but I don't remember England as a whole. <laughs> One of the
3: local bogs. They yeah. have bogs everywhere. Uh, yeah. I mean, bogs there are like McDonald's over here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then um, how is Texas? I mean, was that at culture shock? What was the transition? And you say you came here first. Did you come to L.A. for very long in between England and Texas? Oh, oh no, sorry. I meant uh,
1: I can't. I don't know what. Oh, I don't even know why I phrased it like that. No, I didn't come to L.A. until like I graduated college.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah. So it
1: was it was from England to Texas. England to Texas to L.A. Yeah, and where in Texas? Uh, Dallas, and Plano Dallas.
3: specifically, if you know it. I do know. I do. It's yeah. where the heroin capital stadium. of the world is. That where Cowboy Stadium is, or is that Arlington? Oh no, that's Arlington. Oh, okay. Wait, it's it's the cowboy capital of the world. Is Her- it was the heroin capital of the world? Oh, for heroin. <laughs> Why? Why Plano, Texas? There was like uh,
1: there was a time where like I think like eight different uh, like white kids overdosed on heroin, and then it became a thing where they're like, we have to stop this epidemic in the t- in the town, and then they like cleaned it up. Oh. but it was very much like a uh, like rich kids uh, got. Like, had a minor opioid crisis, and it became like national news. And it was, they were like, Plano is the heroin capital of the world.
3: And then I came in and I, I was like, stop it. And they're like, all right. <laughs> I thought maybe, I thought maybe that like it became the heroin capital when you showed up.
1: No, yeah. no. And any timeline that says that is wrong. <laughs> I
3: was a five year old heroin kingpin. Don't ask where my wealth comes from. <laughs> Well, I'm looking at your place. It's very palatial.
1: Uh, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: what what and and what was uh so Dallas? Dallas is Dallas is all right. I guess, you know, Dallas is
1: all right. I always feel like when I talk about Dallas, I say that it doesn't have too much culture to it, and that's what makes me feel like I I didn't I don't miss it at all. Yeah. Because it feels like, growing up in Plano, it was a very suburban place. Like, the the standout thing to do was, like, I guess I'll go to the mall. Yeah, And outside of that, it's like, when I go to Dallas, it was just for, like, a concert or some event there that I would then look around and just be like, I don't feel like this place has anything that I can, like, glob to. It was like, well, this is why people love Dallas. Which is weird, because it's like, Austin, I definitely feel like... I went to college in Austin, I felt instantly, like, this is a town that I would love to be in as a town. Yes. And like Houston is the same way where it's like, there's so much culture there and things to do. And like people from Houston are very proud of Houston, but Dallas, I'm just sort of like, it's just this place. Yeah. It's not really a place that people live as much as a place that people go to.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I always, um, well, I had, I had um, an aunt that lived there and then I did, uh, I, one of the first things I did and it kind of bridged when I left the Conan show in in two thousand. I I shot a movie there. I worked on a movie there, and the people like and it really did strike me going back as an adult. Like, there's really not a lot to do there besides malls and restaurants. Yep. And then and then it just seems like it's banks. It's like places to put money, spend money, and get fat. And it very much is. I yeah. feel like
1: Dallas as a whole is just sort of like it's. He, it's wanting to be Wall Street, but not really putting in the effort. So it's just sort of like, let's get a bank in there. What if we uh, had the Dr. Pepper bottling offices down there? Like, what if yeah. we had all of these things? It's like, oh, sure, you guys can work down there, but what else <laughs> is there
3: to do? Where yeah, yeah. you go
1: when work is done.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it, it's, it's a, it, seems, it feels very financial there. Yeah, Yeah. And I know everybody – somebody that worked on the movie and I was sort of in and out. I didn't stay for long periods, but the people that were there for like through more, you know, three to four months. And I think they figured out the average weight gain was like 11 pounds of the entire crew, just because it's, you know, barbecue and Tex-Mex, you know, know. um, well, now when you, was it a hard transition coming into Plano, Texas from,
1: I don't feel like it was I I came here and like went to kindergarten I recall but then also had like daycare uh, in between that and so it felt like my biggest thing wasn't like the culture shock as much as it was just like okay there are two different sort of transitions I need to make here of like groups that I'm seeing and there's very little overlap between them but I don't feel like I I think I was so young that it's just sort of like every kid's like what what do I do tomorrow and so the shock is just existing more than it is like oh I got to exist in an American way now yeah I also feel like I don't remember a lot of that time aside from like little moments here and there where I'm like oh I remember this because it was shameful or I remember
3: this because it was like like super notable yeah yeah and uh Were you, were you always like a funny kid and also a musical kid? You were, you're very musical. And I mean, did you, were you playing music a lot when you were a kid? No, it's actually very uh, funny. I
1: don't have any musical training and have never really like the closest thing I got was in fourth grade. I would uh, sneak out, well not sneak out, but it was like in during lunchtime instead of like. Going to eat lunch, I would just sort of go to the music room and, like, try to teach myself songs on the piano, and that was, like, the closest I got to being, like, musical, and then it was, my parents were like, well, do you want to take lessons? I was like, no, that sounds like too much work, but we got, like, a Casio keyboard that I would mess with every so often, and aside from that, it was like, I never really did anything musical uh i played through the uh, middle school i played the euphonium in the school band but even then i was like i don't care that much about this i'm gonna stop as soon as i can so it's weird that a lot of the things i do now are very musical but i think it's sort of like it, it comes from this place of really liking to tinker and really just feeling like oh if there's some an idea that i have at least music is a very like formulaic and like mathematical thing where it's like i can sort of figure it out if i need to and i don't have to like have like a knowledge of theory i can just sort of go like well i guess this is it sounds right and this note does sound right coming after this and then i can just do that for a long enough time that's like well now you have a song um but yeah it's it feels like i should have at some point gone like i'm doing this a lot maybe i'll formally learn how to make music the right way and i never did
3: oh really yeah yeah so you, can you read music or nope. sort of? No, no, really? No, yeah. I. It's like, I,
1: I mean, I took like music classes as a kid, the ones that they make everyone do. Where it's like, oh, we're going to sing Hot Cross Buns today and we're going to teach you how to read music. But I immediately forgot it. And like, I can't read sheet music or really play piano that well. It's like I can sort of. Like hear a song and then go like okay well if that's this key and that's the it's like I can I can learn the muscle memory of how to play specific things but I don't know what notes I'm playing.
3: Wow, that's still pretty fucking great. I yeah, mean, I'd, I'd love to be able to pick out you know a, a song on the piano or something. And I, I, I mean. See- I see a guitar behind you. Do you play guitar a little too? or? Yeah,
1: th- that's the thing. Is like I have a lot of instruments that I have uh, just picked up being like, I want to learn to play that. And oh, an instrument's very cheap. Sure, I can play that. Uh, and I play guitar because it's really just like you can learn specific chords and then kind of make it up from there. And it's not as. It, it seems easier than piano to me because you can just sort of. Like, there's not. As many combinations for notes to me, and then it's like individual notes sound so much better on a guitar than they do on a piano. Uh, But then I also recently in quarantine have been like, I want to learn to play this violin that I bought once as a bit ages ago. So I've been playing a lot of violin Uh, and that's also fun and a lot less difficult than I thought, but it's still like. I'm just hearing sounds and going, okay, I'm going to try and make that sound. And I'm like, I do not know what note this is. And it's very frustrating to be like, ah, I think I've got the sound right. And then just go like, all right, well, what am I playing? It's like, I don't know. I don't know where the C is on the keyboard. I don't know what note this is. It's just mimicking. I'm just mimicking things. Yeah,
3: yeah. Well, I mean... You do fine. I mean, because so much yeah. of what the so much of what people know you for are the musical bits. You know, absolutely. Like, you know, and, well, and some of them you're just sort of rapping to a track, right? <laughs> or you're sort of, you know, like the September thing. That's just you don't. There's no music in that other than the the song, is there? I can't. No, there's yeah. like I
1: I will edit the song to be a joke in itself, but there's no like. There's no perf- me having to perform it, really.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Well, what did you go to college for? I mean, did you go? Uh, what were you studying? I went to college for film. I went to uh-huh. UT, uh, and I was just
1: sort of like, I wasn't a musical kid, but I was a very like, in the same way that I like tinkering with music, I was always just like, I want to do something with film and video, and would like make very like low budget commercials for. Uh, competitions with friends. And I was like, I want to figure out how to do this professionally. And then I went to college being like, all right, I'm going to figure out what in film I really like to do. And so I did that for a while and was like, Oh, TV writing is stable. I'm into that. (laughs) Uh, And then I sort of like was like, okay, I want to write for TV, but I also really like uh, anytime they gave us like a project deadline, I was like, I can work with a deadline. I can make something and I can actually just like, I feel like motivation was always my, uh, the hardest thing for me. So just going to college and having them go, you have to make a short film in two weeks. I would get excited and go like, I can do this because I have to do this. And therefore it's like, oh, I'm going to finally make a thing that I've wanted to make. So
3: that was nice. When did you start uh, feeling like, you know, that, because I, I always feel like there's, you know, (laughs) Outside of L.A., I don't think there's a lot of parents who are going like, you, you know, who are encouraging their kids that like, yeah, you can be in show business. Yeah, you can do right. that. It's a, There's always kind of I feel like a certain level of hubris built in to when you're young and going like, I'm going to be in show business. And I mean, totally I, your folks, I, you know, in Plano, Texas, I imagine you're not getting a lot of exposure to show business. No, not at all. Uh, I didn't even like
1: weirdly enough i didn't get into movies or like see a lot of movies as a kid so it wasn't until i was an adult that i was like i really like movies but uh i it was like my parents weren't necessarily uh encouraging me to do it because they were like well do computer science that's very stable and i had friends that were like oh i it's gonna be a really hard thing for you to do but i was still just sort of like i don't think I'd be happy doing a lot of other things so I'm gonna try and do this and if I fail then I have so much time to do something else and I can like minor in computer science or whatnot but I was always sort of like this is the thing that even now it feels like people are seeing from me that they feel like well that's notable and I'm like well if I have like a step up now then I can sort of just keep just like learning things along the way and it's not going to be like a thing where I'm going in with no experience and I have to suddenly become like, great. It's like a, okay, I'm pretty good at this thing right now. Maybe I can just slowly become better and better. And people just go like, Oh, he's not there, but he's doing good. And I I think that's like just the idea that it it wasn't me starting from zero and just one at one day out of the blue saying, I want to do movies was something that I was like, well, that, that is means it's not as unrealistic as I think.
3: Yeah. 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 Were you, uh, are your folks, uh, are they, were they like open to you kind of finding your way or are they kind of more traditional and wanted, you know, they were very traditional and wanted me to like
1: do something that they could just be like, okay, well this, we know we won't have to worry about him. Like, uh, being having like a stable life or even a stable income when he does this. But I think they, they sort of recognize that they, kind of couldn't stop me from doing it at a certain point. And we're like, all right, do the thing, but we're worried about you. And I think over time they became less worried and now we're sort of like, well, they're still worried. They still will text me and just be like, oh, are you, you okay financially? And I'm like, yes, I'm fine. And they're like, uh, but you're not working. It's like, yeah, but you don't work sometimes in LA and that's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I do think that they, it like took some, coming to terms with for them for sure because it's not like a like there's no even if like they did believe in me I think they would have just had like to come to terms with the fact that like there's no day where you're like okay he's made it or like oh he's uh he's at the point where he's like good now because that's just not how jobs work in this industry so I think they were always just sort of like people really flop out of that how are you not going to do computer science instead. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, it's, ex- it's expecting a lot to expect parents to understand. Sure. You know, I mean, cause my, you know, even after I was on television for a while and then left the Conan show and was, you know, had a TV show on the air my folks would be like, well, what, what happens if it, if it gets canceled? I'm like, well, I don't know. Yeah. And they're like, well, do you have anything lined up? I'm like, no, I don't. Know. You know, and they're just like, what? How do you live like that? You know, right? Yeah. Um, Every time I have a writing job, my parents are just
1: sort of like, oh, it's only twenty weeks. But what happens afterwards? I'm like, I don't know. I look for another one. And they're like, but then that one's done. It's uh, it's a very terrifying industry to work in, or to have a child working in, because it's just like guaranteed, uh, like time off essentially yeah, just yeah. being like in, they're in gonna it, have to try again
3: yeah and you have to get used to like just insecurity and the unknown you know yeah. and, I mean and it is you know it's there are time. you know there are times when it just doesn't happen for a while and then oh, that's totally. when you really fucking start shitting yourself um hmm. I mean not literally I'm not I, I mean that's, unless that's what pays <laughs> Yeah, it is. Well, we're, you know, it's COVID times. You a lot of webcam work, and things like that. <laughs> uh, so how, how is, how is the transition to college for you? I mean, first of all, I mean, it is like you said, Austin is like, I went, I once said that Austin is like sitting next to a fun gay cousin at a Romney wedding at a like Mitt Romney family wedding, because yeah. it's like you're in the middle of Texas and you get this feeling that like, wow, what a cool artistic, you, you know, town with, you know, it's pretty integrated and there's a lot of gay people and there's a lot of weirdos. And then it's like, yeah, but that's, it's like a little Island, you know, in yeah. the middle of of a pretty conservative place. I think that culture is starting to
1: shift in Texas. So that's not the case, but I, I do think it's like a very slow shift and like going to Austin was the best. It was, uh, It's the same thing as when a lot of people go to college and just sort uh, of suddenly find themselves exposed to, like, different types of people and cultures that they weren't exposed to in their tiny town. But it's just, like, the entire city is like that, and it felt so open and, like, loving and embracing of all sorts of different, like, weird things. And it felt like the perfect place to go to college and then feel like you're an adult. And, like, it was a festival town as well, so you just felt like there's – it's nonstop, like – Things to do and like people to see and hang out with and it was very it ruled i love austin yeah uh, i i worry sometimes that like it's like i don't think now i'm like oh would i ever go and live in austin if i didn't have to live in la and it's like maybe but i feel like so much of my love for that city is a love of what it was because of the people i knew there and like a lot of those people have moved on now so it's just like oh i guess Maybe it's not the same to be there now, but it's just such a special city to me. Uh, And the transition to, like, from Dallas to Austin was... At first it was just like, oh, uh, like, I applied to a bunch of colleges and UT was the one that I got in for film and not computer science that was also in-state. So I was like, well, it's in-state, so the tuition's cheaper and it's a really good school. So I was able to convince my parents to be like, yeah, go to UT, Uh, And I got lucky that the city itself was so welcoming and just like a perfect environment for me because I didn't feel like there was this sharp turn of like, ah, who am I here? It's just like, I don't know. It just felt very easy to be an adult and like just find who I was and like not be like I'm from Texas and have that be like. Oh, what does that mean? Who do you really identify as a Texan? It's like, well, no, but I do feel a lot closer to Austin as my personality. You've been to Austin, yeah. right? Yes. Yes.
3: Yeah. And I had, yeah. And I had family there for a while. So I, we, I went there for, uh, I had in-laws that lived there and we used to go mm. visit a lot. It's no, it's ridiculous. It's great. It's, it's like, great. it's such a nice town. I mean, it's too crowded now. I mean, you know, it's obviously like a smaller city that way too many people have moved to because it's yeah. so cool. And now the roads, you know, I mean, every when my the my in-laws lived there, they were just like the traffic, the traffic. And it did seem like it was just.
1: Oh, even when I was it. down there, like there's it's one of those cities where it becomes like a sort of cultural saying of like, stop moving here. And it's just like. I very quickly became one of the people was like, yeah, stop moving here, as if I hadn't also just moved there for yeah. school. But <laughs> it does feel like a thing where you like you start to love the city and you get why people are moving there. But you're also like, well, it's our thing. You can't. No more people are like the door is shut. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Did you start? Um, what what kind of work were you doing creatively in 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 school? Were you doing just basically class work, or were you part of any groups or anything, or? It was mostly just classwork. Uh,
1: I, in high school, I had done a bunch of stuff with friends where we like, there were online websites where it's like, you submit creative briefs to uh, basically go like, I want to make a commercial for this company. And it's like, if you win, you get $2,000. And we were like, that's a million dollars to a child. Uh, So I would do a lot of those. And then when I got to college, I didn't have time to do those as much, but I still was like, I want to make things as often as I can and that's when uh like vine and twitter sort of popped up for me and I was like oh a little video platform where my friends and I can like shoot a dumb idea in in a in a like an hour and that's where I feel like so much of my creative energy went in that time because I wasn't really doing much of anything like extracurricular wise at that time that was related to filmmaking or writing uh every so often there would be like a film club or like uh, like a filmmaking club that popped up on Canvas or on campus, but I always felt like, oh, I, it's at the most inconvenient time or place, and I just can't get to it, or I would get intimidated because everyone there seemed to know much more about movies than I did. Because it was like, every, I hadn't seen any movies until I got to college, and then they would like show us a movie, and I was like, duh, The Matrix, huh? But like, <laughs> it, it felt so alienating to me at the time that I was like, I'm just going to figure out my own uh, thing that I can do without feeling like I have to be a film person with like right. a capital
3: F or know every single Kubrick movie and all that. Exactly. Cause I, I went to film school too and there does. And I mean, even to this day, there's people that are, that for them being, well, I mean, every, there's so many people about every sort of specialty that like, their knowledge of the thing gets used as like a cudgel, you know, just to like beat other people up and and assert some authority. Yeah. And I definitely felt that in film school too, um, where people would talk about, you know, like talk about, you you know, like I say, like uh, Kubrick movies, I can't remember the, they're just
1: like film movements or being like, oh, just talk about it in like a theory or media way. And yeah, I was yeah. always just sort of like, I don't know, man, I like this movie. I don't like this movie. I don't yeah, know yeah, these yeah. movies. And it, it felt very much like, uh, even though we were all in school together, it felt like there's this thing of like, you know, and like, if you know more, you care more and you're more of an authority. And I was just sort of like, I don't know anything. I, I don't,
3: I can't do this then. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and also too, it's like, a lot of a lot of these classic movies that people talk about are kind of boring. They're so boring. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's like, like... <laughs> a lot of like theory attached to it
1: or just being like, yeah. well, this is historically important because of this. I'm like, okay, but is it fun? <laughs> yeah. And a lot of the times the answer is like, no, but. Yeah.
3: Yeah. No, I went to I, – when I was in well, – I started two years at University of Illinois and then I went to film school in Chicago at Columbia College and while I was at U-, U of I and preparing to go to film school, I took a couple of film courses. And one of them, I was a sophomore, and I think it might have been a senior level course of film theory that I was able to take. And it was all like it was like, let's look at films from a semiotic point of view, which is like I even to this day, I'm like, I can't, like I know that semiotics is the study of symbols, but I don't know what the fuck that means. It's like, yeah, I don't, you know, in this in this, you know, a table can become an altar. Like that, I just remember that being an example. Like, okay, but I don't know how you can watch a whole movie and, you know, and look at it from that point. Yeah. And I realized, like, in this class, and I was lost in this class, like, this is a language that people learn to speak just to each other, like film criticism. It just seems to be, like, it doesn't have any relevance, really, on a lot of the people making movies. I mean, some of them, I think, are very, you know, they're getting yeah. in their heads about it. But I think most, it, you know— It feels like this thing where,
1: like, the people who do use this when they're making movies use it in a very specific way that, again, unless, like, you have people reading into it that way after the movie is done, you just kind of are like, well, then why include that at all if it's something that you have to, like, study up on to even understand? And then I'm like, okay, well... I'd rather just make a movie where, like, the point is very clear. And it's, like, I, I had an ex who used to always say that, like, writing... Uh, you're not writing to sound smart or, like, use big words that are alienating to your audience. Because then it's, like, why are you writing at all if you don't want people to understand it? And it's, like, why are you making films that are, like, purposefully uh, obtuse and, like, don't have uh, meanings that can be understand understood by the most people or, like, yeah. by the audience that you're making it for? If you have to, yeah. like do research to understand your movie it's like then you're making a movie weird i don't know yeah
3: yeah 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 you, you write a book yeah you know uh books are for smart people movies are for dumb people they know smart, that. movie dumb Mo- movies TV dumb. dumb but have dumb. more time <laughs> yeah dumb but easier yeah because you're home
0: on may 10th kingdom of the planet of the apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will rain. It is our
1: time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan.
0: Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Ready PG 13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Life is a highway.
2: Can't you tell my loves are
3: growing? Now, is is it in college, like, that you start to kind of get some traction online with Twitter? or And, I mean, was Vine was Vine probably the first place that you kind of really started to be known outside of just, like, your regular circle of friends? I think it,
1: it was Twitter at first, for sure. Uh, and then Vine uh, came in, like, I want to say my sophomore year of college. And it, it was just this fun thing that, like, I could both do like little mini sketches for lack of a better word but then also just post weird videos of my friends and I liked that that it was like I can do either of these things in the same way that people on Twitter were like I can write jokes or I can just be like I had a pizza for lunch today and it's like well you can't get mad at both of them uh so (laughs) I just loved that and it was like it was so fun to just have a thing that I was like like I had friends where it was like they weren't all in for film but we all like enjoyed making vines and would like love to do that together and i loved that about it that it didn't feel like this very insular group of people who were like we got to think about this in a film theory way it's like no we just want to make a thing uh and that sort of got big in a way that i didn't expect and then it was like when i uh, moved to la i was still doing vines but with people who were definitely more about like either all in on Vine or all in on film in some way. And I was like, okay, this is fun, but it's a little different. Uh, But yeah, I think Vine was the first place where it was like, or not again, Twitter was like where it started. And like, I think Twitter and Vine together sort of like made rose my profile in a way that were uh, where people were like, oh, this guy's doing interesting stuff online.
3: What's what is that like? I mean, because I came to Twitter as a known quantity and I mean, right. and Twitter is pretty much all I do, but you're starting out as a college kid posting joke and you're uh, and this uh, uh, electro lemon for people who don't know. And mm. you just start posting jokes and it just starts to grow. I mean, what how does that feel? And what do you think when you're a kid doing that? It was it's weird,
1: but it's also sort of like. I don't know. I think that I've always had a like I was very much a uh, I think I developed a sense of humor as like a defense mechanism when I was very young. So it's always been a thing that I've been like, okay, I think I'm funny and creative and can do this kind of stuff well. Uh, So like doing it on Twitter was just sort of more validation of that idea that it's like, oh, okay, I can still do this. And I am very good at like figuring out what works in certain contexts and then being like, okay, here's how a joke works here cool, I can work with that and make a joke that works especially well knowing the, like, uh, universe around this area or, like, this sort of, like, ecosystem of Twitter and Vine. And I I think that uh, it was both, like, it's fun because my brain is comfortable in this space and it's nice because uh, I am getting credit for doing a thing that I think I'm good at. Uh, But then it also became this thing where just sort of like there's a certain point at which uh it was like oh people start to see me as like a person or like a personality and I'm like oh that's weird I don't I don't want to be seen as someone that's like special or different from uh like just just people think of me as like I guess there's it started to feel like when people thought of me, they were like, oh, well, Demi's like a Twitter personality. And like they would say like Twitter personality or Vine personality in a way that made me think like, oh, okay, they think that I think that I'm better than like a normal person or whatever. And that's when I was like, oh, no, 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 I don't want to do this anymore, where it's like the the uh, impression of me becomes a reflection of what they think i think of myself based on what other people think of me and then i'm like oh i don't like that at all uh that was always the hard part of it just like sort of feeling like the way that people sort of like talk to me about me or even just talk about me make it seem like i think i'm special or like better than people and i'm like no i'm really like i'm just a at the time i was like i'm just a i'm in college i i this is a fun thing for me to do that exercises the muscles that I came to college to exercise. uh, And there's nothing more to it than that. And now even I'm like, I just, I don't know. I had ideas for musical things and I put them on the internet and then I just kind of go on about my day doing nothing else. I don't know.
3: Yeah. And people pass them around. Yeah. Yeah. But it's got, I mean, when you start to get a follower count though, I mean, is there ever any kind of, does it cause like sort of grandiose thoughts like, oh shit, I'm on my way, you know, like I have, cause I, you know, I mean, you started to get like a fairly, I mean, you're a follower account while you're in college and then your yeah. Vines are being watched kind of, you know, the way popular Vines got watched while you're still in college. I think the thing that kept me from ever feeling
1: like that was just understanding the ecosystem of both Twitter and Vine and recognizing like, There are so many people with big follower counts that aren't getting, like, anything or are, like, only that way because of a certain thing. Like, Viney was like, all right, if you are a pretty white teen, you're going to have, like, a million followers and you're going to have all these deals and whatnot. And I was just kind of like, all right, so uh, there's not going to be a number at which people start, like, knocking down my door to be like, you're going to be the next big thing, kid. And I would like have friends who were popular on vine and still seemed to be like doing the same thing I was. And I was like, okay, well then this isn't going to be like a, this is always just going to be a thing where it's like, if someone finds you and thinks that you're good, then maybe you'll get to do something else. But it's not like a, oh, there's a, there's a, uh, like a, a meter for when you hit this certain level, you're going to be great. And so it was like, I never, I never tried to follow the follower count or like, any sort of number to be like, oh, I'm about to hit the big time. Even though there were times where I had like one joke or like one vine that would be pretty popular. I would go like, oh, that's pretty cool. Or like, I would see certain people like interact with it. And I was like, okay, that does rule, but it was never like uh all right, any second now I'm going to get a, a message from Hollywood that being like, right. all right, it's time to time to do the next thing. You've, you've hit the big time. Yeah. Uh, but I think also just, it was hard to have that idea in my head and then also not because there were times where I was just like, all right, well I'm putting a lot of work into vine. I feel like that should help me elsewhere, but it never did. And therefore I would just like not really put in a lot of work to do things elsewhere because I was like, well, I'm spending all much, all of my creative energy in this one place. I can't really go and try to make a short film or something else like that. Yeah. Cause it, it, so it was just like, It's hard to both be aware that the follower count and, like, all of these things doesn't mean anything and to not think, well, I'm putting in all this work. They have to notice that I'm good eventually.
3: Yeah. It also, I think, it's so immediate. Making a short film takes for fucking ever. Yeah. Costs a ton of money. Uh, and it Could then, be seen by no one. Yeah, could be seen by no one. Whereas you can, like, fuck around with your friends in an afternoon and something can get seen by tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people, you know? Totally. But it's so, also yeah. like... There are tens of thousands of people doing that, so it's like yes. the ecosystem is flooded. <clears throat> yes, no... and there's and there's no and there's also no payoff. There's no, no. I mean, you you know, you don't you don't make any money at it, and it just and yeah, it's it's nice and it's great, but I always there is I I, I was you know you make things like that and you feel like somebody's making money on this, like it's being mm. watched so many times. I just feel like, and I don't know who's monetizing, and I guess you know Vine is monetizing it somehow. But it always I that was that would be the hard thing for me, having not grown up in an internet age or come of age in an internet age, where I'm kind of used to like I mean we did improv shows but like if I was going to just make short videos it would feel like well yeah but I mean people make videos for a living and that's what I want to do for a living and it just seems you know although when you're in college did did people around school know that you had a you know. Like, yeah. it was like, hey, there goes that Vine guy. He's a Vine star, you know? I I don't, I hope it wasn't
1: like that, but I, there were times where it'd be like, oh, I meet someone, they're like, oh, yeah, I follow you on Twitter. And I'd get this immediate, like, oh, that feels weird. Just have, it still feels feels kind of weird where it's like uh, meeting someone who knows you and you don't know them. It's just a yeah. sort of feeling of like, oh, they have an idea of, they have an opinion on me already. And I was always yes. like, well, it's probably bad. I don't like that. But <laughs> uh, yeah, that was it, it wasn't it like got more and more prevalent over time at college. But it always was the
3: thing that I was like, I don't know how to feel about this. Well, it's just that's that person knows me and I don't know them. How do they know me? That is the root weirdness of fame. Yeah, that's like that. The your personal relationship with fame is always based on strangers knowing you Mm -hmm. and that on a very basic human level feels weird, especially Uh, because it's uh, it's they know you in this conceit that you have created
1: online and it's oftentimes where it's like that doesn't really represent a totality of my personality and yeah. it is a very specific t- uh, like facet of my personality that I think if I were to step out and just sort of like look at it, I think I'd be like, I don't know that I like that person. So then I, a lot of times I'm just sort of like, Oh God, I hate that they know that of me and don't get to experience
3: me as a person just regularly. Yeah. But Yeah. That's a, Well, it's an interesting experience to get, you know, when you're still in college. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I, I remember shortly after I got on the Conan show back in the 90s, I went back to Chicago to visit my family and I went to a store with my mom. And when we left, my mom was like, did you notice that all it was a Best Buy? I think there were like three employees following you around. And I was Uh. like, I was like, no, I didn't. And she's like, she said, yeah, like everybody in the store was staring at you. Like, and she was all excited. And I was like, mom, think about that statement. Everyone was staring at you. Like, even though I know why they're staring at me, you can't get over the basic fact of just feeling stared at. Yeah. No one, uh, you know, I shouldn't say no one. Most people, some people love being stared at. I'm not one of them, and it just—it's no, not a natural kind not. of feeling. Yeah, there are times where I feel like I'm being stared at or watched, and
1: I—it always is this thing of like, is it because they recognize me, or is it because I am like weird, or like something else that it's like I should be cognizant of? And I'm always like, it's—it's it's never comforting. It's never, and I also am like, well, I'm not famous. Really, I'm not known enough that like I should be like, oh, there's another person staring at me. So I'm just like, it just makes me feel bad and weird. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. If it is someone that knows me, I'm like, just come up to me and say, I know you and walk away or something. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. And then I start thinking about like, there are times where someone does eventually come up to me and I immediately am just like, how long have they seen me? Did I do anything weird in that time? Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah.
3: <laughs> was I was I compulsively pulling at my crotch? Oh, no. Uh, I, I,
1: was I air drumming? Did they
3: watch me air drum an entire song? <laughs> no nose picking. Well, when you leave, when you're done with college, I mean, you come to L.A., right? I mean, was that yeah. pretty fast?
1: So, it, my college has this program uh, where they, for your last semester of school, you can go out to Los Angeles and do, like, an internship and take classes at, like, a remote center in L.A., and uh I took that advantage of that program. So I moved out to LA with like twenty other students from UT. So it was a very easy transition to just be like, oh, I still know people and like we have friends that are all like interested in the same thing and a lot of us live together and it was very easy in that. And then I also was like, Okay, well I am still also in LA now and I'm like I had an internship uh, at red hour which is ben stiller's production company and so it was like i got to work in comedy and got to surround myself with people in comedy who pretty quickly learned that i was doing things online and uh were like oh, okay this guy knows and is interested in comedy he's someone that we should stay in touch with which was always nice yeah um but yeah it was a pretty easy transition was the was the internship set up through school no, it was
3: it was like I had to go and find the internship. Oh, I see. Yeah, and and was that? Did you? Was it classified ads? Uh...
1: I I think it was like there was a website online where it's just like entertainmentcareers.net dot net or something, and I just was like, oh, I see. Just shotgun approach. Like I gotta write a thing and send it to all of these places. Yeah. Uh So it's like I applied to a hundred different internships and like. Uh there were so many ones where it's like I get a response and I got so excited just be like, Oh my god, I'm gonna intern for Jason Reitman. Oh my god, I'm gonna interview <laughs> all of these places. And it was like uh I uh got very lucky with Red Hour and uh just was like as soon as I they were like, Well, we can offer you an internship, I was like, Yeah, no, I'm not gonna get better than this. Yes, let's do it. Yes, yes. um and that's Ben Stiller's so. company for people that don't know that's yeah. Yeah. Um, and... So you became best friends with Ben
3: Stiller right away?
1: Inseparable. I was like, buddy, you gotta do a movie where, uh, you play a fake war, a fake soldier. It was my idea. (laughs) Tropic Thunder was me. (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, but I, it was very, like, it was truly, like, so great. And, like, it was such a small team that I I felt immediately, like, oh, I'm gonna get to know all of these people. Yeah. Uh, and it was... Yeah, I still am in touch with uh, a few of them and it's very nice. And at the time it was really just me like doing like readings of scripts and being like, here's my coverage on this script or uh, just sort of like surfing the net for things that they needed or like going on supply runs. Every so often I'd get to like be on set for like uh, a web series they were doing and I'd be like, this is where it is. This is where the juice, this is what I want to be doing, baby. Uh, But it was it was fun. They never did. Were they working on any features while you were there? Or? I think they had <clears> just <throat> finished up Walter Mitty and like it yeah. hadn't premiered, but it was like they were doing all the marketing
3: and stuff for that. But so would you? Was, but I mean, would would you have gotten to work on movies like like on set on those or probably? not? I can't
1: imagine. Although there was, I do remember there was one. T- I don't remember what we were doing, but there was something that Ben Stiller had to do on a like I want to say the Universal lot. And they needed me to go and deliver things to him. And I was just they were like, yeah, you're just going to have to hang around for a bit during the day. And I was like, oh, so they're shooting something on this lot and they need me to stick around to essentially be like an assistant of sorts. But I was like, oh, God, I wish that it was a movie they were filming because then I would at least get to be on the set and just watch them like shoot this movie. But I don't think it was. I think it was like a series of uh, interviews or something. I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So when that's done, I mean, are your folks OK with you moving to L.A.? Are they, uh, you know,
1: they were stressed about it. But at least while I was doing it through school, it was a kind of thing where uh, they were like, well, this is still school, so it's not that bad. Uh, but shortly after it was when uh, they got really worried because I didn't have a job in L.A. for the first four months that I was there. And I was just like crashing on friends' couches. And, uh, at a- and th- this is after the internship Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And at a certain point, they were like, "Just come home and do interviews from home." And I, I, I had an interview for, I think it was like to work on the like video editing team for like NFL programming. And I had a, a phone interview with them. And they were like, cool, can you come in tomorrow? And I was like, I'm in Plano, Texas. I can't. And they were like, oh, oh, that's a shame. Sorry. And I was like, okay, I need to go back out to LA because I can't do interviews from Plano, from my bedroom at home. And so they are like, okay, yeah, go back out there. But it, then again, it was like the four months of me just being around. Uh, and I was like, that's when I... I I'd always really liked, like, visual effects and, like, typography and just, like, motion graphics and stuff. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to make a, a reel of me having done that stuff in the past and my ability to do that stuff. And maybe I'll get, like, a job at a VFX house or, like, uh, some production studio just being able to do, like typography for them or whatnot. And that'll be like a foot in the door. And I did that for four months, just like going out for interviews, being like, I want to do VFX stuff. I really like VFX. Let me work in that field. Uh, But eventually the job that I got was as an office manager at this animation studio, ADHD, uh, which doesn't exist anymore, but it was like an animation studio that did a bunch of uh, cartoons for Fox, like Lucas Bros. Moving Co. and Axe Cop. I think they did. Uh, And my, I was just like, the guy who got stacks and like set up computers and like offices for people and was just like supposed to know everyone and just be the like overseer of the building, which was a weird yeah. first job for me. Uh, but it was like, I was like, I'm around animators and like, there are writers that work here and that's good enough for me.
3: Yeah. And yeah. how long did that take? How long was that? I was there for six months. Uh huh. Yeah. And then what happens to ha- have you move on?
1: Uh so after that I the people that I had met uh while working at Red Hour went over to Funny or Die and uh Funny or Die was putting together a digital team for their TV show at Midnight and they were like we know that you do video stuff uh and like are like very knowledgeable and popular online would you be interested in uh coming to do like vines and media stuff for us over at at Midnight and I was like oh hell yeah absolutely um but they also didn't have like a, a very like concise idea of what they wanted to do so i got there and it was like a team of four of us and they were just like oh we got two guys who are very good at visual effects and 3d we got one animator and we got you the like social media video uh writing guy and they were just sort of like i don't know we'll figure out what you guys do eventually but just if you have any ideas for content we can put online make it and so we were just like it was just like a year of us just sort of being like we have an idea for a video let's do that or like oh we have an idea for a vine let's do that or we have this thing that requires uh chris hardwick to come into our office and like do something with us real quick let's do that and it was just like very unstructured but in a way that worked so well for us and like we were just like it's just us getting the fuck around and make cool things uh and that was a very fun place to be it was just a playground and yeah,
3: that's yeah, that wow, that is an amazing opportunity to be as young as you were and as oh, new to this to get to be able because, you know, I mean, you don't get to say you don't get creative say for a long time, usually. No, uh, in this business, I mean, and and I was always, you know, even when I started out in doing commercial, you know, working on commercials back in Chicago, I always noticed like the people that got creative say were like the ad agency people. And the, I mean, obviously, if you're like, you're doing a Wheaties ad, the Wheaties people get to say right. Um, It was the agency people and like the director. And that, you know, we're all in film school thinking like, we're all artists. We're all going to get, you know, personal expression. It's like, no, no, you'll probably, odds are just in the numbers game, odds are you'll, Be a script supervisor and you'll keep track of the script and that'll, you know, that's a good job and you're good at, you get good at it. But creative say is a very minimal thing. So for you to, you know, yeah, for you to get to do that. And there again, I think that's thanks to, you know, people, they obviously saw your work, you know, you you had a reel online that is easily perusable, you know, totally. And I think it also helped that they were just sort of like, we need to
1: be on social media, but we don't really know in what capacity or like what things to do. So we're just going to hire people who can do a lot of different things and then let them go. Well, what do you guys see on social media that you want to do? And we got lucky because we would just be like, Oh, we should do something about this thing that's in the news or about this thing that happened on the show. And we would just like go for it. And we were very like adept and able to do things quickly. So we just kind of be like, Here's a video based on this thing that happened in the news this morning. Uh, here's this video that bi- happened based on this thing that happened on the show. And it was just like, we were able to call in like people from all over the office to work with us. And it was just sort of like, it was like, we have an idea and we'd send it to them and be like, uh, yeah, I guess that works. Go for it. And then we make and we're like, Okay, well, you worked so hard on it. Yeah, put it up online. And, like, we just... It worked. And we got lucky. We, like, the creative team won two Emmys from that digital pod. And we were like, oh, "Oh, this rules. Yeah, it was great. Um, Does that make you an Emmy winner? Technically, but my name was never... Like, I didn't get
3: an Emmy. so oh, you no. Know, yeah, that sucks, But like, yeah. for my resume, I'm gonna say I'm an Emmy winner. Emmy winner. Part yeah. of an Emmy winning team. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You can say that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, did you work at, at midnight or at, at, uh, at uh, Funny or Die? Like, where you was at, uh, at midnight. It was at, at midnight. Okay. Yeah, we were like right next to the <laughs> stage. Okay. Yeah. And, um, yeah, because that would, that's a very, you know, again, that's sort of tailored to the, bite-sized digital world that show was so like just about like so of the internet yeah and and so of the internet obviously because it basically was the twitter game show you know and it was like i mean having been on it it was you write tweets they give you premises and you write tweets totally um did is is this like are you still able to keep up your own creativity on your own stuff on your own vines and stuff or do you are you now using it all for work it felt like i was able to keep up my own creativity uh which was very it felt almost like
1: weirdly i was able to keep up my own creativity and supplement it with things from work it was like i think i was in a very particular uh like a very specific place with at midnight where it was like, I was doing the things that probably needed the least amount of work in that pod of four of us. Cause it was like animation takes a while. Uh, three and visual effects can take a while, but I was just like, if I had a video idea that we could shoot and we could like get a team together for it, it was like, cool, go off and shoot it. Uh, and if it, takes forever it takes forever and if it doesn't take forever it doesn't take forever and in the meantime it'd be like I have ideas for things that I like to do and I started doing I think I started getting back into a lot of musical stuff then like tinkering tinkering around and being like oh mashups are fun but I can't do mashups on uh, at midnight I guess I can put these on my Twitter or something or like Figuring out other Vine ideas that were like, this won't work for at midnight, but it is something that I want to do and my friends will help me do. So I'll just do it with them at the office and then post it on my own. Like, they were all happy to do that. We were all just like, we just love making these things. We're happy to make things. If you have an idea that you're like, yeah, I'm just going to do this for myself. They'd be like, yeah, all right, go for it. And (laughs) I, uh, it was, it was great. As long, it was like, as long as it isn't getting in the way of other people doing shit, then let's do it. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, you you go from sort of doing these from doing videos into doing podcasts like yes. that. You started to kind of do that transition. I also, well, I also want to ask: Is that how is is working on at midnight? Is that when you really sort of sort of find a creative community here in LA? Were you able to do that before? I mean, it, because. You know, on this show, people always end up talking about kind of what as I've ended up calling finding your tribe, you know, like yeah. really finding your group of people that you can kind of blossom uh, in. And I'm wondering if that was if that if that happened at at midnight. I mean, how do you come from Texas and all of a sudden start having a bunch of cool, creative friends? Because I, I want to think... know, I still don't have many, and <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think it's it's always hard. Uh, I think that At Midnight was definitely very helpful in doing that, but I think that uh, the podcast thing started just before At Midnight when I was still an office manager at ADHD. Uh, uh, I had met someone who knew of me through Twitter and Vine and uh i went to i was going to ucb shows like all the time it was like just the only thing that i did in my free time uh just because i was like i don't know too many people but i want to be in comedy so bad i'm gonna go see other people do comedy and uh there was one time i went to a show where my name was drawn for something something and uh someone called out electro or like they wooed when the, someone said electro lemon and i was like why does this person know who i am And then after the show, they like hit me up. I'm like, oh, that was me. I just I know of you from Twitter and Vine. I think you're very funny. And so we became friends. And then at one point he had posted on Facebook that he wanted to do a podcast about uh, Gilmore Girls since it was uh, they were going to put all the old episodes up on Netflix. And I was like, that sounds fun, which was something that I just sort of did on a whim because I had never seen Gilmore Girls. But I was just sort of like, "Eh." I bet I I would totally watch that show and talk about it. And, uh, that was my friend, Kevin T Porter, who, uh, we be like, we truly didn't know each other very well before doing that podcast, but on a whim, we were just like, yeah, let's do the podcast. Let's see what that would be like. And, uh, our chemistry worked together very well. And, uh, we just got lucky because it was like, that was so much. Of my creative voice was just in doing that podcast. And it was like, I was able to talk with people that I would have never met otherwise. And I was able to have this sort of space where I was, I was allowed to be comfortable and creative, but it was like reaching an audience of people that it's like, oh, nothing else I do has this level of an audience because nothing else I do is founded on the back of this massively popular TV show that no one's talking about anymore. So it's just like tapping into an audience of people that uh, aren't really like it's like just lying inactive almost. And so through that, I was able to sort of like develop my own creative voice, but also meet so many people and just go like, oh, I like this person. Oh, I like this person. Oh, I'd love to hang out with these people and just figuring out what I was able, like what I liked doing, what I was able to do in a more uh, concentrated manner. And then that plus at midnight, I think made it, made me go like, oh, I love creating things with these people. I want to create more things with these people. And it's just sort of like, I guess with the podcast, it was more taking a chance on a thing that uh, I didn't know how it would be, but I, I got a vibe of like, I like working with this person, so let's just see what it's like to work with this person. And with At Midnight, it was just sort of like realizing that I worked well with these people and we had very similar tastes and could hang out in a way that didn't feel like work all the time. So I got yeah. lucky with that.
3: Did um, uh, d- you started to do was it in Gilmore Guys that you started to do live versions of the podcast? Yeah, yeah, we and, would do... And you, you weren't a live performer up to that point, really? Not at all, no. What was What was that like? Was it terrifying to go do it the first time, or...? I think the weird thing about it is that I was never too terrified,
1: and I think that's... Like, I, I was never, like, a performer. I didn't... Uh, do, like, theater or improv or any of those things. Like, I, I was never, like, a stage person, but I felt like I was pretty comfortable on a stage. And I, I think it helps that when doing Gilmore Guys, it was always, like, performing for an audience that knows us and is just, like, sort of... It's like if it's like if you were to do improv, but, like, everyone there already loves you. And yeah, so I get y- it. Yeah. Y- it's like you can just be comfortable being yourself, and therefore it was, like, my first stage experiences were just being, like... Yeah, uh, I can just be myself and you guys are already cool with that. And right. Surrounded that by doing. love.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You're, yeah. You go out to. A, yeah. It's not like you're doing stand up at an industrial job, you know, for, right for all of the, you know, accountants that totally and Verizon it was so or whatever.
1: It was also free form that like there was no there was very little prep that I needed to do besides just watching the episode and just being like okay so I've seen the episode and I'm just gonna say things that I would say anyway but in this, in front of people so I get an immediate feedback of like I liked what he said and so it's just very easy to develop a voice of like what do people like of me and what am I good at doing when it's just like doing the thing that I already do and I'm like I'm comfortable with this but then getting like the instant
3: feedback of like people laughed at that good yeah Yeah. As that audience grows, and as you're sort of, you know, and as you kind of, what, where do you think it's going for you at that time? Like, do you think like I'm going to be a professional Gilmore Girls uh, commentator for the rest of my life, or you know? No, that was actually one of the reasons that I was like, I
1: think I need to get away from this because I, (laughs) I realized that like. As much as it was helping me connect to people uh, that I really admired and, like, I, I don't think I would have gotten my writing job on The Good Place if I hadn't uh, done Gilmore Guys. I do think that there was a point at which it was like, oh, this feels like it's just building in on itself. Yeah. Uh, where it's like, there's a there's a ceiling that I can hit with this podcast and it's just, like, it's always going to be, people want you to talk about different media or, like, people want you to talk about Gilmore Girls specifically. Or when I do other things, it's like people will just sort of try to tie that into Gilmore Girls or try to tie it into you commenting on media. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do that because I want to create media. And also, yeah. I'm not super attached to Gilmore Girls. It's like I like it, but I don't I don't want my life to be it. And I don't want my life to be, like, now he's talking about Buffy or now he's talking about this other thing. So I was just sort of like, I think I'm going to uh, step away from this and try to Make my own things and try to figure out how to be creative and not just sort of like a commentator. Yeah. Uh, But I think that was hard for me at one point because it felt like my attitude around the podcast became negative just because I resented what it was doing in my life and just feeling like I don't want to be like, I don't want my only claim to fame to be people are like, you're the Gilmore guy's guy. And it's like, but I, I've been working on stuff for so long that's, like, just original and of my own self. It feels weird to, like, have this one thing come in and be like, forget everything you've ever done. You are now the guy who comments on other media. And I'm like, that sucks. I don't want that at all. So I think stepping back from it also made me go like, okay, I don't want to seem like I have a negative connotation of what I did because I liked doing the podcast. I did it for three years, and I loved it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I. I, that's, I mean, I'm... That's a good instinct to have because, I mean, one of my grouchy old man complaints about a lot of what is current comedy is that it's exactly what you said. It's commentary on other things. It's not, you know, and I mean, and even I think sometimes, you know, fan culture, you know, can be. It's, it's just distracting that everything has to be a reference to some other kind of totemic item of culture, you know, like yeah. I, like I, you know, when stranger things first came out and they, they, all the talk was about, you know, that, you know, as if there were like Easter eggs throughout the whole thing of that shots, just like the shot from poltergeist and that shots just like the shot from I don't know fucking you know Nightmare on Elm Street yeah or right. whatever. And I just was like what about making new stuff? <laughs>
1: like yeah.
3: what about what about not having to put in and 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 also something that takes you out of the actual experience of watching the show about this world and these characters because right. you're always got to keep an eye out for when they're going to you know be ripping off Robert Zemeckis uh It's just making
1: professional love letters, just being like, it's not really a story. It's just a love letter to this genre. It's like, okay, I don't, I like the thing too, but I don't want to watch someone
3: else like it. And then it's just a snake eating its own tail. It just, you know, it's like a navel gazing. It folds in on itself and in on itself and in on itself until it's not really anything. So, I mean, good for you is basically (laughs) what I'm saying. Thank you. Good for you. And then um, I went on to make musical parodies. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Oh shit, I take I take back <laughs> everything I said. You're a hack. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I it's it's great because you had another podcast too. Then after that,
1: didn't you? You'd like, yeah, I did a podcast after that called Punch Up the Jam, which was it was half musical commentary, half writing songs. But yeah, yeah it was you like punched
3: up, you punched
1: up popular songs. You're like, yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Which is it was a very funny idea it was it was an idea that we both loved and we knew it was going to be a lot of work but i left because i was like okay it is a lot of work but it's more than i thought it would be and i can't do this every week and also do other things outside of this but it was like yeah yeah we we were just like what if we uh talk about popular songs and the lyrics within them and just sort of like get t- get like very uh overly semantic about what they are and then we were like we fixed the song and just have like either a parody or like a quote-unquote fix of the song that we like rewrote it or like made it different in some fun way and that was a blast and i think is like still a very good it was like the it was a good mix of commentary and creation that i think was something that a lot of people wouldn't have done because it was a lot of work but also it was just like a very good uh just sort of like microcosm of all of my talents in a way that I was like, I get to do the things that I like to do, but I'm still in the field that people are like, oh, well, I like when he's the commentary guy.
3: Yeah, yeah. Did um, at what point do you uh do you go to work for uh the Good Place? Uh, is that the first kind of? narrative comedy that you worked on. Yeah, totally. Uh,
1: it was, it was the reason I left at midnight. Actually I had, I, the first like writing job I ever got was I wrote for, I think the 2015, that seems so long ago, uh, 2015, like MTV video music awards. Uh, and I was like, that was great. And it was like sort of just being in a writer's room like that was the instant gratification of being like, this is exactly what I want to do and what I think I'm good at doing and then uh, I got to meet uh, writers for Parks and Rec through doing um, uh, Gilmore Guys, and they had uh, needed a new staff writer for the new show they were going to work on, The Good Place, and they put my name in the hat, and I met with Mike Scher and they uh, hit it off, and I, they, like, I had an interview on Monday, and on Wednesday they were like, cool, can you come in next Monday? That's when the show starts, and it was like that weird thing that sometimes happens in L.A. where you're at a job, and you just got to go like, uh, so I need to leave this week. Sorry. Yeah, I got a job. I've, yeah. Yeah. I know I've been here for a year and you guys are genuinely like my family, but I'm gone. And yeah. it was like they all understood and they were like very happy for me. But it was just such a weird like transition. And also, I didn't know what the show was. I didn't like I was afraid to ask questions about the show in the interview. And it was like going so well. I was just like, I don't care. Like, it's Mike. Sure. I'll do whatever he wants to make. And so like. I like loosely looked up things and I was like, Oh, it could be one of these two shows that is in the news. And then the first day of the show I was like, I still don't know what this is, but I'm going to work on a Mike Schur show with all these people that I admire. Let's do it. And it was like on that first day, they're like, all right, so here's what the show is. And I was
3: like, Oh, this is nuts. <laughs> yeah. 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 It yeah. is. It's like among the strangest. Well, the most unique kind of concepts for a sitcom and like, I don't know.
1: Yeah. For like Maybe a network. ever yeah. a
3: TV show. It, it was very
1: like, I instantly was like, this is so bold. I can't wait to see how this works. I was also like skeptical for a lot of it. I was just sort of like, I think a lot of this is going to get toned down by the network, but I'm doing my job. So let's go. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Were you there? Were you there for the full run of it? I was only there for the first season. Oh, for the first season. And yeah. did you, did you move on or did they, I mean, you know, it's an awkward question.
1: I mean, it was it was very much they did not pick me up for the second season, which I okay. don't blame. I was I was not great in that room. Uh, it was a lot of anxiety and a lot of like ADHD. I didn't know how to deal with, and just sort of like uh, me trying to. It was it was a hard room to have my first ever job in. Um, but just for, what, for like, what reason? Yeah. Well, it's like it was a lot of anxiety, and it was like. It's sort of, it's like getting close to your dream job, but it's like diving to the deep end. It's being like, all right, here's a very tightly structured you. show that you have to figure out how to work in with all these people who have been doing this for years and have worked together. And it was like a lot of anxiety and it uh, caused a lot of issues for me that I didn't fully understand and was just sort of like trying to ignore. And that was a stressor. And it was just like, I wasn't a good fit in the room. And it was more like, it felt a lot like I was on a ride along for a lot of it, just being like, oh, this is so cool. I'm so happy to be here. I don't know when to pop in and like suggest something or when to like be quiet or not. Yeah. So it's just like,
3: yeah. But yeah, it might, I mean, there is something to getting a, (laughs) you know, to learn, to learn the ins and outs of that kind of, cause there is, you're absolutely right. There's like, you have to learn how to behave in a writer's room and you have to learn the sense of, whether you're talking too much, whether you're talking too little, like who you can uh, talk over and who you can ignore and who you have to listen to. And that probably, you probably would have been better if you got on some sort of just like plain old sitcom, regular, you know, yeah. You you know, joke, joke, joke kind of, kind of thing. Cause that is, yeah, that's a very unusual show and, you know, and a room full of heavy hitters too. It's, it's gotta be intimidating. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I still was like, So happy to be there, and I'm like, God, I can't believe that I wrote on the Good Place, and still a thing that like uh, people like that's what people mention when uh, like I have a meeting where it's like, you wrote on the Good Place, right? And it's like, yes, I did, I did write on the Good Place. Thank you for. uh,
3: Weren't you part of an Emmy winning Emmy award winning team of uh, animators?
1: Oh yes, I I was. Yes, that's yes, (laughs) that's so interesting. You bring that up twice. uh, We won uh, two
3: Emmys. Yeah. when was it was it tough when you did you have a sense that you were going to get picked up or oh again, i knew. Or, i yeah. i definitely knew but it was
1: like it was the kind of thing where it was like if i get picked up i'm i'm going into overdrive i'm going to fucking figure out what's going on and like be better in that second season uh but i i knew i wasn't and that was like a thing where it was like ah oh, this sucks and will crush me for a while and still i'm like there are times where i'm like uh i i really fucked up in that room but it's like uh they were mike sure was so magnanimous about it and like gave me recommendations uh when other shows approached him about me and that was very nice and then i got to work on uh the next show i worked on was a show over at marvel called new warriors uh which was uh it didn't end up going but it was like a live action uh like superhero series that was superhero superheroes that's rare Yeah, I was uh, one of the first. Wow, Wow. superheroes. (laughs) They should do more with superheroes. That's what I said in the meeting. I was like, interesting. So they're people but special. I I get it. And they have problems like you or me? Yes. And they wear pajamas and capes? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, But it was... yeah, I worked on that show for a year and we like wrote 10 episodes. I got to write two episodes. We shot a pilot that Disney was like, We love this. We can't wait to see it. And Freeform was like, We don't like it. And then they were like, Well, don't worry. We'll put it on Disney Plus. And we were like, That's at least two years away. That means this show is eventually, is essentially shelved. Yeah, yeah. So I was
3: like, All right, well. Well, and then you went on. You you kind of like dipped into uh, our little late night world with James yeah. Corden. You were there for a year, was it? Yeah, I was there for a year.
1: I, I left Corden almost a year ago, exactly. Actually, uh huh. Yeah, I. It was like uh, I was hired because uh, of my musical online stuff, and I was like a good voice for to do that on the show. Uh, but I think I also I kind of knew I I wasn't a late night person. Uh, I don't think I'm great at writing to like someone else's specific voice. And I don't think that like as much as I, it's like I can, it just feels like it's not the uh, challenge or like thing that I really loved. Like I always loved narrative writing more than I like joke writing. So I was just sort of like, I think I'm going to leave after about a year, but it was such a great show and everyone there is so awesome and I love them all. But it was like a I don't know. Is this for me? yeah yeah for a
3: yeah. lot of it yeah it's well it can be i can i mean I can tell you you know as someone in their fifties and you know they're well i mean now now I feel like I'm retired like i've <laughs> i've me and my dog have just retired to a quiet life in a house you know somewhere yeah. but um i definitely there have been thoughts in the last few years of my life where I'll be in the middle of rehearsal and like and I feel like i am 50 whatever years old. And here I am thinking up bits. Like I'm <laughs> talking I'm sitting around here with other, you know, like grown adults who have children and mortgages, and we're just trying to figure out like how to best, you know, finish up this bit about you, you know, a rabid wolf that, that you know that attacks a cake shop or whatever. Right. You know, like and it just at times it does feel like, wow, this is really silly, silly stuff to be doing with your time. I feel like everyone hits that sort of space or, like, hits that
1: sort of mindset in comedy, though, where it's like, I think it just takes so much longer on a narrative thing because you don't feel like you're going, what are we doing here until you've, like, developed, like, a world, but with Late Night, it's like, well, here's the world it's our world, and go, and I think it's just, like, you get to a point where you're just kind of, like doing doing a lot of the same thing yeah. a lot. And it ju- it just sort of feels like I I'm already too much of a doing a lot of the same thing a lot person. So to go into a world where it's just that's how it works, I think, was not the best thing for me to do. Yeah, it, it, it feels weird because it's like I don't want to sound like I'm shitting on late night. I was just like like I was I still think that Corden was such a great place and like I, I love the people who work there and there were times where I was like I cannot believe I get to do this or I can't believe I get to make like Eric Idol sing this song that I wrote. Uh but then at other times it's just sort of like is this where I wanna be like yeah, should yeah. I be do- yeah.
3: Well and you're young and you know and it's you, you you do have so many options and it is you know you gotta you know the when I when I first left the Conan show back in 2000, it was exactly that. It was just that I've been, and at that point it had been seven years mm. and I just felt like I was doing the same thing. Just doing, And I was, I mean, now when you, you know, especially when you have children doing the same thing becomes like, like you that becomes that. like, Oh, boo hoo. You got to do the same thing. Go make a check. You know, like right. you got to earn a living, but I still was, you know, young enough and childless enough that to, to be kind of like i've got to see what else i can do because it does get hard you know when you get used to kind of burning creative juices and you know and putting product out there of your own stuff and always ch- especially if you're somebody that wants to challenge yourself it can get really stifling and you got oh. and you know you just need to kind of make that break and and make that change Um, so did, did you have anything to leave to, or did you just? No, I, I, I had been working,
1: I had like had personal projects and things that I wanted to develop, develop, uh, outside of Corden that I was like, well, I'll get to do these. And, uh, I went to, I was dating someone who lived in New Zealand at the time. So I went and lived in New Zealand for two months. Nice. Uh, which was exciting and uh, terrifying just because it's like, all right, I'm going to, you're the only person I know in this entire country. I'm going to spend a lot of time with you and no one else. And we were both like, oh, it's, it's kind of like how a lot of uh, relationships, I'm sure, are in quarantine right now. We're just like, do something else. Do something with your time. So it was like, all right, I'm going to go for a walk in New Zealand. And it was all just like me trying to figure out what to do aside from like, I, I, there was a movie that I really wanted to write. And I was just like, I have to finish writing this movie. It's what I'm in New Zealand for, aside from spending time with Maddie. But I was like, I'm going to, I'm here to write this movie. I'm going to finish this movie, and I'm going to have a thing that I return to the U.S. with being like, I've done this. And uh, it took so long to do, but I eventually did finish the movie and went back to the U.S. And then I was like, all right, well, what do I do now? And I just before that, I had started doing this monthly show at Dynasty Typewriter. Called everything's great. That was just like a a live comedy show, and that was my uh, creative output for a lot of the time. Then I was just like, all right, I'm just gonna figure out a new thing to do every month at the show. And so it was like I'd write a new song, or I'd write uh, a weird PowerPoint presentation bit, or like doing all of these things. But it was like, I was like, here's the thing I could do month to month. What what do I what am I doing for my future though? Like. <laughs> And that's, I think, still kind of where I am.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Did – is it weird to you to have done all these, you know, and I'm making air quotes, like legit showbiz things and that really probably the biggest impact you've made is, is with Vines and stuff online that's just kind of like, you know, free social media stuff? I mean, is totally. that – Yeah.
1: It's very weird to me, and it feels like I'm, uh it feels like because of that I, I'm always fighting for legitimacy in my own eyes, but also in other people's eyes sometimes, because I'm always just sort of like, I think I also spread myself very thin, in that I do a lot of things where it's like, I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done all of these things, and then when I meet with someone, I'm just sort of like, what are they meeting with me because of? Yeah. And if it's like, oh, we're meeting with you because we loved you on Vine, I'm like, that's Vine has been gone for like seven years now. I've yeah. been doing a lot of other stuff, but okay. And, uh, it's always just sort of this thing where like, I, I'm like, Oh, one day something's going to happen for me that feels notable. And people just go like, Oh, the vine guy got a, a TV show or whatever. And I'll just be like, that that's going to feel crushing. Just being like, that's how people think of me in a certain way. But it, it also just feels like even when I first got in a writer's room, I was like, I'm, I feel I'm going to have to fight for legitimacy here because, People just go, like, he's not supposed to be here. He's, like, an internet. He's, like, those... He's one of the kids who uh, got popular because he was on Vine, and Vine isn't real comedy or whatever. Right. Uh, Yeah. And it's like
3: like you did makeup tutorials or something like. Yeah.
1: Right. And I I get that because I think I also still mentally put a lot of people in that box of like, oh, they they're like, oh, I'm a YouTuber. I'm like, okay, I know what that means. Right. No, a lot of people like a lot of good work goes into YouTube stuff and it's like all legitimate. Like, but in my head, I'm like, but it's a platform that I did not grow up with as a legitimate thing. So therefore, I'm like, well, I don't care about it. Therefore, it's not real. yeah Uh, yeah. but uh it it is a weird thing to sort of but i also think i think i have a very weird relationship to the things that i've done as a whole where it's like everything i've i i'm a very much like a i did this thing time to move on kind of person and i'm always like in pursuit of like i just want to write and like direct i just want to make things uh and because of that it's like well i haven't gotten a chance to do that so everything i've done in the past is just like nothing and therefore it'll be like people really love this one thing you did and i'm like oh they're gonna think of me as the that guy i don't want that i want to be a writer and it's yeah. like i i have a very uh contentious relationship with my own work despite it being like well people like that work it's like yeah, yeah but it's not what i want to do so i'm mad about it and it's like, i know
3: yeah i would tell you as an old person uh because i can relate and i'm yeah. and i i think i have a whatever that disease is that I completely discount and write off anything that I'm good at easily, sure. you know, so it's like if, I, you know, people, you know, they compliment different things that I do well that I just have always been able to do well and that don't take a lot of work. And I'm like, nah, yeah, well, fuck that. That doesn't. Right. And it's, and, it's and, I, and I think, too, I tend to look back on a lot of the things that I did and think. Well, yeah, but I mean, not a lot of thought went into it. It was just a goof and it just kind of, you know, was like this or, uh, you know, I feel conflicted about that because that one thing I worked on that people are complimenting me on, I didn't have a good time on it. and, And it's all like, it's a, and I understand how that can be an engine, a creative engine to somebody who is starting out and, and challenging themselves to do, and I mean, not starting out, but, but a person that isn't like you know, that, that still is trying to find their, their voice. Yeah. And I, you know, and, and it's ironic to me to say that because in ways I feel like I'm still trying to find my voice. Like the notion of like, what do I want to say with what I do? I don't fucking know yet. And I'm still, you know, as old as I am, but I do know, and I work hard now trying to be a little bit nicer about, the the things that I've done in the past, like to myself, sure. like be a little bit more like. Like, it's a huge, huge thing to me that. The Conan show means to young comedy people, what other like what David Letterman meant to me, you know, Conan. and that I and that like I, you know, there are people that will say to me. You and Conan helped form my sense of humor and they're now doing comedy professionally and that's a really I mean I can't even imagine anything kind of more soul enriching that I could yeah. have done with this silliness. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, but I mean because and also, uh, also, your stuff is fucking hilarious. It's really clever. and I and I I in preparation for this, um, to go to your website uh which is just uh demia com, right? I
1: it, I don't I think it's be, as if you were spelling my name and then the period is
3: I don't know. Oh, okay. At any rate, it's well the link to it is is on Wikipedia. It's got all your bits. Mm-hmm. And if you just if if you listener out there want to just enjoy yourself for I mean shit, you could spend a long time on there just looking at these 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 great bits it's incredibly funny inventive stuff not only musically but cinematographically you know cine- cinematography wise great camera tricks really great stuff really fun thank stuff you. that you should be very proud of and that you know i mean if i had more power i'd just give you a job doing something just based on that you know what what's well, the biggest you. one you ever did you think like the biggest Video? Uh, yeah, like video or like thing that you did. I think the first thing I ever knew, you came to my attention by the thing where you left the DVDs of Click in your folks house.
1: Yeah. Which that was the we-
3: funniest fucking thing ever.
1: Which is so funny because it was genuinely an accident from a a video that I... I made a Vine where it was just like me uh, dancing to the song Click by Kanye. And then I say, why do I have 57 DVDs of Click? Which is just the amount of DVDs that would fit on that shelf. Right. And... Uh, and they were fake. Just like They a, were
3: like just color copied fakes or did you yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah they yeah. were
1: literally just like I printed out the label and then put them in the DVD covers for the Vine. And uh, the Vine was like, whatever. People were like, oh, that's so funny. And then I just went away and I went, uh, I think I went back to college for the school year and then I came back in November and they were all still there. And I was like, my parents haven't mentioned this once. Have they seen it? And then I took a photo and I was like, they – I literally just said the truth. It's like, I left these DVDs here and they have not mentioned a single thing about it. <laughs> and uh, it, Are they it still was... there? No, I removed them at one point. And also, uh, there was a point at which my sister uh, saw that the tweet was popular and then like told my parents. And they were like, oh, yeah, we saw that. We didn't know what that was about. <laughs> so I was just like, oh.
3: <laughs> but what <laughs> difference th- does it make?
1: Yeah, and they were just like, well, not going to mention it. Huh, strange. <laughs> I think they got very used to just being like, ah, oh, Demi's doing something, okay.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, now, um, now, oh, I, yeah, I didn't let you finish. What do you think you're sort of like? I think the September videos are the thing that
1: people are like, that's what Demi does every year that I gotta know. But then it's also like, I do a lot of the, uh the songs that I'll, like the end credit raps I really like still and people yeah. think they're great uh I think just the the conceit that I came up with for them just like shooting them as if it's like a thing I stumbled acro- across is something that makes it very fun for me yeah uh yeah. but those are pretty well liked
3: yeah yeah well what are you going to do when this is all over? I don't mean this podcast. I mean, you know, being being able to leave the house. You know that kind of. Well, I gotta walk my dog. I gotta,
1: yeah, get a nap again. Um, <laughs> I
3: I don't know. I I
1: really like before this quarantine even. I was just sort of like I get very paralyzed by the idea of making things myself. But then it's like I'll I'll make like. Videos and all of these um, The things that I make online are ideas that I... I have a million ideas and these are the ones that I can do on my own. And these are the ones that I can do without the help of other people. Because I'm always just sort of like... I I don't know where to start when I'm working with other people. I don't know how to put a crew together to make the things that I want to make. Or it's like too high concept. And I'm like, okay, well this takes a lot of work. I'll just wait for someone to be like... We want to give you a million dollars. Go. Uh, But I'm also like... I have so many things that it's like... Like I just wrote this movie that I want to make. But I'm like... I'm going to end up having to sell a script because no one will let me direct it. So I just need to get some directing experience that I can be like, here's proof that I can do this shit. And I was like, I want to make a short film or I want to make a uh, direct music videos for someone. And so I'm like, I need to focus on that being the next thing that I do concretely. Yeah. That is like work for myself. Cause it's like, that's where I want to be. And I can't just wait and hope that someone goes like, do you want to do this? So it's like, I think that's the next thing for me, either figuring out a short film that I would love to make that feels like it's within my voice and isn't just sort of like a, here's something. Yeah. uh, Or just figuring out someone who makes music that would love for me to make a video for them and like planning that throughout the quarantine. And then when
3: quarantine ends being like, cool, let's shoot this thing. Yeah.
1: Figuring out how to shoot it within quarantine. I don't know.
3: So, yeah, I mean, I, that's what I kind of like, I feel like the universe is put on pause and I I find myself thinking like well what happens at the other end of this and and I mean I don't mean with the world I mean what do I do like and and the notion too you know so hunkered down here and I'm thinking like where's the big creative output that I should have so I have all these things ready to go when I'm out of this and yeah that's not happening cuz I'm not even you know it's
1: hard to think that way because it's just sort of like the, you don't have an end date for when this is going to be. So it's like, well, you just keep making things. You're just supposed to have like a shit yeah, yeah. ready to go. Yeah. I have been like doing little things here and there. And it's like every every like three weeks, I'll just be like, I'm going to pick up this new thing. And it was like uh, I did violin and then I was sewing masks and then I started uh, painting and now I'm baking a lot. And I'm just sort of like I I need to channel this all into one thing that I will yeah, actually yeah. be able to like.
3: Work with after this is all right. done, yeah, but, like a screenplay. Like, that's I'm always like, Where's the screenplay? And then I'm like, Well, I could also like slow braise some veal chops, you know, like, yeah, yeah. One's
1: more immediately satisfying, yeah, and
3: one is
1: m- supposed to be satisfying in the long run. I finished a screenplay at the beginning of this, and I'm just sort of like, I shouldn't have to do more. I that should be it, but it's like, No, you gotta keep going, and maybe you should try to get in a writer's room again. I'm like, But. I'll
3: bake instead. I'll paint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's rough. Yeah, so it is very much so. Well, do you? Uh, we're getting to the end of this, and uh, the, the final question. I mean, because you kind of got the first two. Um, is the what have you learned part? I mean, what you know. You, I think, you know, you're still kind of in the middle of a, of a of a career here, and you're kind of yeah. known, but you know, not maybe to a wider audience. And uh, I'm wondering, do you think about, like, what you've done so far, what someone else might be able to learn from the path that you've taken?
1: Hmm. I think what I've learned so far is that, at least in terms of, like, what people have considered successes of mine, I think they all come from this place of me just going, like, that's funny, Why not do it? And it's like, it's just this sort of thing of like not letting yourself go. Oh, I don't know if that's good. It's like, just do the thing. And I think a lot of times people talk as if it's like, Oh, he's so good at so many things. And it's like, I've done a lot of things that are trash and just get like fallen by the wayside because it's like, you just do more things until people are like, well, that's good. And that's good. And these are the things that we know him for. And it's like, if you were looking at a catalog of everything I've done, you would definitely go like these things suck. But it's like, yeah, they suck, but I still did them because it's like you can't, like no one's going to hit 100%. You just have to do the things. And whether that's like, you got to find what's either easy for you to do or you got to find what is the most interesting for you to do. Like what is, what can like be carried by the weight of you wanting to do it more and just do it. And like some of those things will be hard because it'll be like, I don't know how to do it or it's quarantine and I can't do that right now. But then it's like, you got to figure out, what you can do and the way to do those things. And like, just to keep making things that maybe aren't what you want to do, but help you get to a place where people know who you are. So they'll help you do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, also just, it's so helpful to have creative partners. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's something that I always, it sure is. It, it's like something that I still am like afraid to do at times because I, I think I am, very much someone who gets tired of things very easily. And then it's like, I will quit a project and it feels like I'm leaving my partner out to like high and dry. But it's also just like, I wouldn't have done it without having a partner in the first place. So it's like very good to have someone else that you can work with and that you feel accountable with and for. Yeah. And like, I just watched a movie yesterday where it was like about these two writers that work together. And I was like, Oh, god wouldn't that be great just writing with someone and being like I have to do this thing because my partner's right there and it's like yeah I'd probably get so much more done if I was, if I just had someone that it's like we have to do this because if I don't I'm not fucking myself over I'm fucking over this person
3: yeah yeah, yeah. no that's yeah that that kind of codependent relationship is like why I've had a trainer for the gym for the last 7,000 years because yeah. to go to the gym by myself nah yeah huh. But People to like, oh no, there's somebody waiting there. I need to go because somebody's there. You know, yeah. and that's and I agree. I one thing I've always one thing that I've noticed going through going through my life and career is that every amazingly funny single person that I know has had almost always either somebody or a series of somebodies yeah. that were there facilitating that and helping them to do that and helping them figure out who they are and giving them kind of space to be who they are and then, and vice versa, you know, I think, uh, you know, so yeah, but then the uh, problem is, is finding that partner. It's, it's almost like, it's a, it's a, it's a marriage. It's like, you got to really be able to, to not get sick of that person, you know? And, And you got to be willing to like give
1: them control and feel like you trust them, which I think is, that's where it's funny because as much as I'm down on myself, one of the reasons that I'm always like, oh, it's hard for me to find a creative partner is because it's like, I believe in myself a lot more than I believe in a lot of other people. Yes, I know exactly. I can't relinquish control to you because I know how to do it. Let me just do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: I have a a terrible self-image, but I'm also like a grandiose egomaniac. Yes. You know what I exactly. mean? Like no one's better than me and I need help. You Which know, is it's how we get in this industry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Well, I think, uh, I think this notion, then you've said it a thousand times, making things, making things, making things. And that is like such a pure place to be coming from. Not that you need my congratulations, but uh, <laughs> I think that that's such a great motivator. And I think that it's, It's a key to why your stuff is so good, at least the why, you know, things that I like about it, because it is about the joy of creation and about needing to just be doing something. And that's really admirable and really uh, amazing. And I thank you so much for spending your time here. Thank you for having uh, me. Sure, sure. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll. uh, see each other somewhere in real At life some yeah, yeah if they ever let us out of our houses yeah before we both go gray so all right you can see Demi anywhere basically I'm everywhere a did you eBay A did you eBay and again check his website out and um and that's it thank you so much thank you for, for having me, me. and uh, we will see all of you next time on the three questions thanks
0: I've got a big big love